In this episode, Ryan and I discuss IBC in an economic shutdown, the corona hoax, poachers, and why life insurance premium is the solution. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. And here we are in uh, March of uh, 2020. March 28. March 28. A lot of things going on, you know, this particular time in history. Happy, though. Healthy. Corona-free. Just like 99.999% of the population. (laughs) Well, as far as you know, have you been tested? No, I haven't. Is there a test in your county available? I don't know. I don't care. Are you even supposed to be outside in the free probably (laughs) domain? (laughs) And do you have any traveling papers? I do not. Will not. That's a whole uh, another meaning to veta your papers, Jordan. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, and we're glad you're healthy and glad to be healthy, uninfected. <laughs> <laughs> glad to be in an essential, quote unquote, essential. What the uh, public officials, the elected officials, have determined to be an essential business. You know, of all the people that cannot properly classify. <laughs> um, they're at the top of the list because if they could, they, the government at whatever level, state, county, local, um, state, federal, if they could properly classify, they'd all shut their doors and go home. <laughs> Talking about non-essential. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then I've been saying all week long that um, this, what we do, practicing the infinite banking concept. Yeah. Right. Advancing the idea that you can become your own banker with the infinite banking concept as R. Nelson Nash, as R. Nelson Nash laid out. Um, this is the antithesis of what's going on in the big wide world. This is the exact thing that you should know and discover and implement. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what a beautiful thing. Pretty unusual environment uh, to have our 50th episode, though. Yes, right. big 5-0, oh, I love five that. Oh. How yeah. many other, oh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> How many other IBC-oriented podcasts have, have hit 50? Oh, I don't know, but they're coming. You know, you yeah. keep, keep pour it on. All right, do your work, pour it on, and deliver quality. All right, that's all my encouragement is. You can do it. I don't mind being first, though, either. I mean, that's okay. I, I don't mind being first or the best. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> um, I mean, we have fun. I mean, you're like, Absolutely. Couldn't keep doing it week after week after week if it wasn't fun. Right. And just think of all the the merch that we sell and all the revenues that we get from the click funnels. I mean <laughs> Hey, listen, if you talk about an unpaid hobby. <laughs> it, it's a labor of love, right? Um You know, fifty, I, I know when we when we did the fortieth episode. And I was just thinking last night, I mean, I worked late, got up early. I didn't really have a lot of time to think or uh, about it. But 50 is uh, the only thing that can come to my mind. The only thing that has come to my mind is a jubilee. You know, it's like liberating freedom, you know, 50. Oh, okay. Um, biblically, I'm just saying. I got you. Jubilee. It's your reverse back. There's freedom. There's release of like debts and, you know which every seven years, and then there's seven, sevens, 49, then the year of Jubilee. So ah. I'm just saying that 50 is, a, is, a, is a, a good number. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. a biblical number. So, and I'm just saying, you search it out. I don't know. You can educate me what the significance of 50 is. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's in this podcast, is 
it's been fun and it's been relatively successful in terms of the information that that we share Mm -hmm. and the things that we talk about and the people that we talk with um I don't think it exists out in the big wide world and then for the for the listener or the viewer to be able to listen in yeah that's pretty successful I think it is and uh, the book review that we did so this the origin of this podcast was we did a book review a five part book review of becoming your own banker we're discussing pretty much page by page paragraph by paragraph what's in that book and discovered during the intervening time between when the cameras would be on is that you know there's some pretty good banner going on and we have well I think are pretty interesting conversations all the time anyway so you know why not do a podcast and uh, that the part one of that book review just recently passed 10,000 views on YouTube I thought that was a pretty cool milestone that's very cool you shared that on Facebook yeah and I tried to share your post I don't know. <coughs> and uh, it didn't work us, out for some me some of us struggle with that <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit I'm not a technological giant but so I, I did I, I thought I was just sharing your post right yeah. but I wound I up sharing the link. that episode <laughs> on my Facebook page my personal Facebook page and I don't like you know really I don't I don't you want to appear good effort. That's okay. Be, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be appear to be self promoting. You know, I'm just saying that that was a milestone. Ten thousand. I wasn't aware of it until you posted it. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, that. and then on Medium, where I blog. Oh yeah, recently, right? I got a little byline up there. I didn't put it there, but that they did. Top writer in finance. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that metric is, but Big I'll Brothers take it. Listening. Lay it on. Yeah. No, that's cool. So that's like a badge or of some kind and recognition. Some kind. Yeah. You, know. I mean, you should see the other writing on Medium. It doesn't even get, anytime anything commercial is mentioned, it's usually from a hostile viewpoint. It's very certain political orientation from the other writers on Medium. It's not it's not exactly friendly to markets and capitalism and finance in general so i don't know if maybe just not many writers other writers on medium talk about finance and maybe that's why Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know i look around today and there's not very many capitalist friendly things going on in america Uh, it's yeah saying i don't even want to think about too much it gets depressing well i know that here in uh in our office 20 miles south of fort worth texas the world headquarters of banking with life we've been buying uh lunch for the office at different restaurants mm-hmm. i mean that's what little some little thing that you know we can do to spend money locally and it's like i would dine in if they allowed it <laughs> we're still allowed yeah <laughs> we're talking more about these about the you know where we've been so far where we came from the success we've had so far we've we even had enough success to the point where now our content's now getting poached by other um what do you call them what poachers call them wannabe i mean i don't know uh, um, what do you call them? I mean, be nice, but I am being nice. I'm not saying the see poachers, un, <laughs> un, um, uncreative people that can't create their own content. Yeah. So prof- financial entertainment types who might be promoting either the something. IBC or something. They might be saying that they're promoting the IBC, or and then using our. Uh, production specifically part of the book review actually and this one i'm thinking of uh you know no permission or anything no not even a request not even a 
I mean, have they even liked the episode? Probably some of the people have hit the, the two or three people who have hit the thumbs down button. It's probably some of them. Probably. Um, so that's been interesting. And I, so I, I. Well, look, they, same people probably use your medium production and put it in their click funnel somewhere. Man. I don't yeah. know, without necessarily giving you credit. They probably rip your name off of it, right? And put their name on there. Can I white label it? Can I white label it? I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, the, the, I do think that there's more about more written about the infinite banking concept on that blog than there is in any one place anywhere else. Mm. And yeah, I, I well, I know. I mean, during at the at the think tank, people, many people care. I made a joke about it during my talk, which I decided I'm actually going to post publicly. Are you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> perfect. I, I went back and watched it, made sure that I behaved myself, and I did. So uh, I feel comfortable releasing it, but. Uh, I made a joke during that talk that you know a number of other agents had and advisors come up to me and said you know I th this or that medium article that you wrote you know I wrote a lot of business on that and I'm like great you know you can buy me a drink it's okay <laughs> say thank you I don't know uh, oh, yeah. say thank you um, <clears throat> but it's all good it's all good <clears throat> is it all good Mr. Griggs is it all good Listen, I mean get your go a little bit but... angelic intentions and yeah I really do I just want to see more people implementing infinite banking correctly. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mind that more more advisors talk about it. I think there's a correct way to learn how to become an advisor in the IBC world. And um, I also don't think that if people knew just what it took to have this sort of business, to focus and, and specialize in this kind of concept, that I, I think far fewer people would profess interest in it. Um, well, maybe they like sleeping in on Saturdays and they don't want to get up every Saturday and yeah, could spend be. a few hours producing. That's just our time. That's not the uh, AV Ninja Andrew's time. Right. Not that he overproduces. I mean, I, you know, I only have to edit out your cuss words every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, uh, so, and, well, I mean, it, to an extent, like the poaching thing is flattering. It's like, okay, that's... That's nice. It's good. I mean, I don't have to. I don't want to fall prey to that scarcity sort of mentality, right? right. It's, not a, it's not a fixed pie. I believe that, and I don't think anybody can do what we do as well as we do what we do. So, y'all go ahead. You know. Well, I think that um, it's been my experience anyway that you know when when people are exposed to the idea of becoming your own banker, and they're I've said it many times, there's hundreds, probably thousands of bastardizations or outright copycats of what Nelson has done, um, either <clears throat> maliciously or not, you know, I don't know. Um, but typically when somebody is exposed to the idea and they start, you know, really searching, they wind up at Nelson's website, you know, infinitebanking.org. That's been, you know, held captive several times over the years mm. by, you know, agents, people who can spell IBC and have a life insurance license and have a contract with a life insurance company. Yeah. And I'm being nice. All right. Um, but they ultimately, if they're if they're serious, right? I mean, if they really want to learn. Because if they're not serious and they just want to beat it up, they're they're not that really dedicated. They don't really search it out to the to the full degree. Yeah. Um, but if you 
if they are interested and they really want to know and they really want to vet it, you're going to wind up at Nelson Nash's site at some time. And then they're going to see the connectivity that I've had with Nelson, that you've had with Nelson, or whomever they choose to continue their education with, um, which is a is a uh, is a, it's almost a benefit, you know, because if you read Nelson's book, that book was published, Becoming Your Own Banker, in 2000. He was a life insurance agent from 1964. All right, so he writes this 92-page book. There's a look at the history, the experience, the knowledge that is in that book. I can't convey that in three hours, mm. right? And, and I'm saying it takes, you know, an average person, a guy like me, three or four hours to read it. I know some of you can read it in an hour and a half, and God bless you. Um, so the more they learn about Nelson, who he was, and what he did – it makes my job easier. They go through their process of unlearning and then learning foundationally and fundamentally. It's a benefit to me yeah. because there's only, what, 68 hours in a day that I have available to work, you know. Slacker. 80 hours in the week. <laughs> <laughs> Slacker. <laughs> um, so, and speaking of Nelson, you know, this is uh, – March 28th today. So it's, you know, one year and one day since he graduated. So I dearly miss him. I don't want to, you know, have this conversation without mentioning that. But yeah. I don't want to, you know, commercialize it either. I mean, he, uh, yeah. you know, so I miss him dearly. And, uh, and IBC is still alive and well and thriving and growing and. Thank you. You mentioned that because uh, I don't know how many times uh, previous. You know, Nelson, when he graduated, he was 88. So probably the last six, seven, eight years of his life, people in and around the life insurance industry, in and around the infinite banking concept, in and around all the iterations of bastardization and Me Too copycat stuff work that they've done with Nelson's work. It was quite often said, IBC is going to die with Nelson. Mm. It ain't going to last. IBC is going to die with Nelson. And I, that's, listen, Nelson graduated. He's not dead. He's just on the other side. Mm -hmm. Some of you people that have said that, and you know who you are, um, I hope you make it on the other side. Hey. And we're still here, and things are growing here. I mean, we see the numbers, and then you add on top of it, I mean, the timing is almost sort of eerie, right? So he graduates, and like a year later, there's the a substantial, you know, tremendous financial crisis and a shutdown of the economy, and people are starting to figure out that oh, maybe something's going wrong out there in the financial world, and maybe uh, putting my nest egg out there for the sharks on Wall Street to feast on may, might not be a good idea. You know, might be some value and guaranteed capital accumulation, yeah. that kind of thing. Solving for the banking function, mm. yeah. Well, you know, with this new. Uh Corona hoax bill that they passed. I don't know what they call it. Um, I like your name for it, though. <laughs> uh, I did. You know, we get inundated. Everybody gets inundated with information. You know, we get inundated with financial information. And uh, I, I have been told, or I read, that in the bill, they're going to waive the RMDs for this year. So you do not have to take your required minimum distribution. My understanding, I haven't vetted it. 
it's just conversation that mm. I've read. I don't mm. know if it's true. I suspect that it probably is that you don't have to take your required minimum distribution this year. All right. Well, man, if they can get by with that this one year, can't they get by with it every year? Mm. I mean, if you can just print money and send out checks, why do you even need to take my money through taxation? It's a legitimate question that I've asked many times, even on the podcast. You know, if you can print all the money in digits that you want, why do you have to take my private property and call it taxation? You know, and then redistribute it to 300 million nameless, faceless people that I don't know. Maybe if I was able to maintain the results and the benefit and the fruit of my production, I could give it to whom I wish. Mm. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm a, a beneficial person. Maybe I'm an altruistic person. Maybe I want to be able to help somebody that I know and understand, or, or not. That maybe I don't even know them. Yeah. I don't even understand them. I mean. It's, it's almost like I don't have the intelligence or the ability to give my things away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of insulting. <laughs> Think about it for a little longer. <laughs> well, who's going to leave build- here mad? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, who's going to build the roads? The same people who built <laughs> builds the roads today. They're just going to do it less expensively, more efficiently. Um, yeah, so on a positive note. Yeah. Well in talking about and talking about Nelson and all that and the poachers and the um the other producers of quote unquote banking related content, I it really and maybe in talking about it it'll make more sense to me, but it confuses me. It'd be like me. a therapeutic session. Go yeah, ahead and talk it, about it. Let's that's it. and I listen, I need it. Okay. <laughs> uh, it confuses me why and maybe this isn't the case, but it feels like it's the case. Why don't I hear from anybody else? Listen, I just do, or I do my best to do what Nelson did. Right? Why doesn't anybody just say, that's what I tell people. I don't think, I don't think I'm like a marketing genius for coming up with that. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a, you know, a marketing scheme. But when I'm on the phone with people, it's like, you know, everything that we're going to talk about during this process over this set of phone calls and the video call that we're going to have, all of that, everything you're going to learn aligns hand in glove with what Nelson taught. If you want something else, go get it. But if you want what Nelson talked about, if you want to become your own banker, according to what he wrote about, you want to implement the infinite banking concept the way he saw it, at least as best as I can see it, you know, that's what we're going to do here. Oh that's going to inform the policy design. It's going to inform the philosophy. It's going to inform everything. The thinking. All of it. And that, and that's it. You know, you want to go do something else. You want to, you know, play games with debt repayment or whatever, little other scheme. You want to go download some new software program, right? And go pay a subscription fee to somebody so you can run, like you've said, you know, 50 credit card payments through a <laughs> software program. Go for it. Right, but this isn't. I don't know what that is. I, why not just it's a subscription stick service. to what Nelson talked about? It's a it's a a product for the agent advisor to become dependent upon. I don't know because they're and I talked about it. I may I may I may I may I may not release or make available my talk. Is <laughs> y'all don't understand? It was so good, but he's hesitant. He's talking about the talk he gave at the 2020 Nelson Nash Institute IBC Think Tank in Birmingham, Alabama, early February, 
And it was very good, very powerful, very authentic, very moving. And he's just teasing everybody <laughs> with the potential release of it. Well, I mean, but it's, it, uh, when we talk about these things, you know, and at the end of the day, um, um, you know, talking about when, when you said that we're going to talk about, we're going to discuss our conversations, it's is going to be what Nelson did, how he did it, why he did it. We're not varying from what Nelson did. But then, and I, I know you've been accused, I've been accused for years of being uh, a purist. James, you're just an IBC purist. I mean, is that an insult or a compliment? Well, it's like it's an insult. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, yeah. I mean, they promote it like it's, you know, oh, you're just a purist. Like it's an insult or a bad thing. And I'm thinking... Like Thank I'm an IBC extremist or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, I'm look, cool with that. I don't know how many times Nelson was right just two doors over down the hall in my office. And I'm going over. And he never, uh, he said to me many times, like, James, you don't have to put all those squiggly lines on that. Yeah. You know, whiteboard. It's like, you don't have to put all those squiggly lines on that PowerPoint presentation. I mean, if it takes all those squiggly lines to convey a concept, you're not, you're not, you're not doing a good enough job. Right. You don't know enough. And then he was always so nice that um, he tolerated, you know, marginal presentations or conveyance of his concept. And he was always so nice. Well, well they, that's where they're at. They just don't know what they don't know. Unbelievable level of grace. Yeah, I'm, I strive to, to reach that level someday. I hope I will, but I don't think I will. Um, I'm just saying that I had him in the headlock a couple of times, you know, with squiggly lines <laughs> well, on the whiteboard. That's why when I tell people, like, yes, I had, and God bless him, you know, I had a call. I mean, he might even know who I'm talking about when I mention it, but I had a call from an well, engineer. what's his name? You know, <laughs> and, and I think it's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. You know, but first call with an engineer. And uh, I know that somewhere in the back of the mind is you know just show me an illustration yeah right? but they've wa he's, he's so watched he's watched enough <laughs> he's watched enough he's afraid to ask for it to know that i will bite your head off <laughs> i won't really but i don't uh, respond well to that and but i i feel like i don't know if i failed to convey it or if it's like it's not just my personal it's not about me it's not that i want to withhold numerical demonstration of no. this from people it's that that you it's not the optimal way to convey the concept it's not you don't I try to think of an example like in what other part of your lifestyle do you in any other field in which you know exercise or diet or what do you say do you, I mean do you go to say to your dietitian like you know map this out for me show me what my BMI is going to look like my body mass index over the next 30 years. Yes, What's it, it going to be year to year? Well, no, but uh, as a I matter of fact. decision to eat better. Like, no, listen, I do. If I go to my trainer and I have one, Caitlin, I love you. Thank you. Um, I mean, we go through numbers like how, what, what, what do I have to work out with? I mean, do I have to work out with 30s this week? You know, dumbbells. I mean, do I have to do, you know, uh, 10 reps of 60 and then, 35 iterations. So no, I mean, numbers are important. When I show up, I don't count them. I mean, I just want to know what I'm supposed to do and I do them. Okay. I'm not blowing you up. I'm just saying, I if I'm going to talk to him, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I talk to my banker, I mean, I'm, I kind of want to know what the numbers of the bank are. I mean, let me see your stats, you know, Mr. Banker of the bank and the institution, not his personally. Right. Sure. Um, 
I get all that. Okay. So at, at some level with these different interactions with different entities, I do want I mean, I'm keenly aware of numbers. I mean, I'm interested. But beyond the numbers, um, I want to know conceptually, do you understand me? Do I understand you? It's like, it's like the trainer. I'm not going to be Johnny Unitas. I'm not going to be Mr. America. I'm a middle-aged man who doesn't want to fall over from a heart attack, and, and I'm not believing my numbers. You know, my waist is too big. My, my triglycerides are out of whack. I mean, all right. So to your point, no, I don't want to geek out on the numbers at the trainer or at the bank, but I want to know that we understand each other. You understand what I'm trying to do, and I understand what you're doing, and we – we can, you know, work together. Um, then I'm all in. Then I don't give a dang what the numbers are. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the numbers are going to be what they're going to be. Well, when we get around to, to your point, it is not the place to start in the life insurance industry with the infinite banking concept. Now, if you're just going to buy death benefit, then the numbers matter. How low of a premium can I pay? No question. All right. All right. Stay with me on this. All right. <laughs> Whenever there is a proper place for the illustration, which is what yeah. you are very Attached particular to the on. application and at the back of the policy. But by the time you have the conversation with your clients, I know when, when, when we have the conversation about numbers on a page, the illustration, to the person, they're overwhelmed. Yeah. Oh, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is so much better than I thought. Yeah. And it makes sense because it was discussed in the proper order. Yes, and that's exactly the sequence, yep. right? I've said it before, an illustration is a source of confusion if the proper education has not been done. And the illustration can be a source of clarity if the proper education has been done. Not necessarily. The case. You know, some people, they get it so well, it's like, okay, you know, where, where where's the application at, you know? Yeah, bring uh, it on, bring it on. But you know, can you we know, get that past the underwriter, Mr. Griggs? Uh, and there's the challenge, right? <laughs> half the time, more than half the time, that's the challenge. I love the underwriters I work with. I'm just saying, if you listen, I love you. If they listen, yeah, right. <laughs> it's okay they to listen. issue a policy, except a premium check. Well, when they buy a policy, they call me. Hey. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's like the actuaries with other life insurance companies. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm not naming names. I had a guy tell me, too, he's, he bought a actuarial textbook so that he could better understand and i said you know god bless you i um you know the industry didn't come up with this actuarial types are some of the least likely to get it um so go ahead i mean i read the actual actuarial textbooks too to try to identify specific technical points from having to you know have that conversation with somebody but um you're not gonna learn infinite banking by reading a life insurance industry textbook All right. Well, I didn't want to derail you. All right. So the engineer. Yeah. So I I had a good call and he was going to ask for an illustration, but he was kind of afraid to. And, you know, we had that. I have the same conversation I have with everybody. You know, if if you want to contact me, the first step is a 20 minute little introductory phone call. We get to know each other a little better set some expectations, you know, kind of go over what the process looks like. There is a process, there's a particular process that I've found is beneficial for the individual to go through to, so that I can make sure and that you can learn that everything is in the right place before anybody sits down to write a premium check. Uh, 
or fill out a ACH uh, uh, premium withdrawal form, right? Uh, <clears throat> and I think that alleviated some of the concern, you know, and we touch on all the things that people need to know that varies, you know, the particular application varies person to person. And that's why, I mean, that's why we, I'm not speaking for you, but that's why we don't get so in depth into what a particular conversation with the client would look like because things vary person to person. Um, but we cover all the things, right? Uh, pre what the premium amount should look like year to year based on someone's particular financial situation, right? How long you might expect to be able to pay as much premium as you might want to pay. How to think about what number that should be, right? The flexibility around that premium amount. How much of it can, do you have the option or the ability or the, or, and how much of it is mandatory to be paid to keep the policy in force? All these kinds of things. And um, understanding the relationship between premium and cash value. How, how much cash value is generated from a premium payment? How quickly, right? What's it look like to get a policy loan? Why are policy loans so different from conventional financial instruments, conventional credit instruments. Why does that matter, right? What's that mean for your repayment, your rights as it pertains to repayment of that loan? Listen, I can uh, get an SBA loan now here pretty quickly for, sure you know, 3.75 if I jump through their hoops and then if I pay the employees, it could turn into a grant. That's, I'm hearing all kinds of stuff. I'm to the point, you know, I'm telling people, listen, you want to issue collateral assignments over to the government for your property, I mean, go to town. All right, go to town. But it's also okay to have sufficient capital that you have contractual access to just in case those government officials decide that your property's a little better off with them. All right? <laughs> That'll never happen. I can't believe, you know, imagine the propensity of a state official to say that your property's better off with them. When I mean, they can't even recognize happen. what is an essential business and what is not an essential business. But yeah, here have the collateral assignment to my business. I mean, what? No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's an uncollateralized loan, right? It's not. It's a non-secured loan. So let me just give you my personal signature here, so that everything I own backs up that yeah. loan. No, you know that that. Um, so there, so there is a process in place, and the uh, illustration is not the place to to start in the conversation or in the process. Um. But if you Google around, you know, all these. Um, yeah, go get them. All of these. What do you call those? Recommended. You may have found this podcast, right? This podcast because it was recommended. And so good job for clicking on it. You had a 50-50 chance, <laughs> right? I mean, come back and listen to some of them more than once. But there's also some things over there that are not worth listening to, yeah. right? Until you've got a good foundational understanding of the infinite banking concept. I mean, I don't know if I had to point this out where we can rely on people to see it, but in 50 episodes, I don't think we've ever put up a spreadsheet. Oh, stop it. Show, <laughs> 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 have we ever done that? Uh, no, not yet. You might have done it in a, a presentation that you've had in the past that you Look, might have been given to a specific group, but on uh, this program, no. That has not been, I mean, that's not just, oops, a mistake. I mean, it's, no, it's this intentional. format's cool. intentional. Here, listen, okay. this is number 50, though, but, and, and so I got up early, young man. I showed up early today. So did I. All right, so I had a- Eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I had a uh, conversation with a friend of mine, Mr. Mulvaney, 
who is going to be a guest. He's a guest. We recorded it this morning. Mm -hmm. And here's the background. I'll let that one stand on its own. But since you brought up the spreadsheet, this guy's an IT guy, right? Um, And he'd been practicing family banking before he'd ever discovered the infinite banking concept. Well, he deemed his family banking using trust and different things, right? Uh And so he's got a spreadsheet to the nth degree, and he sent it to me. And I'm like, yeah, well, we don't really talk about spreadsheets. It's because it's really not about the numbers. Are y'all going to put the spread? Did I bring that up on the very Well, podcast? you probably walked in and <laughs> seen it sitting here is why you brought it up. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, it's to the to your point that, no, there's and, – and I even said it, well, Mr. Mulvaney and I were talking. You know, I didn't create this. You created that. Like, I mean, I'm a detailed guy, but I'm way past the numbers. But I've also practiced this concept for 15 or 16 years here. In the first couple of years, after 14 years in the life insurance business, reading Nelson's book, um, and I changed my personal life insurance structure and my whole financial structure. But I penciled the numbers, personally. I mean, didn't you, on the first policy you ever bought, didn't you pencil the numbers to see if the company did what they – no. Nope. I got over that a long time ago. You know when I well, when, I, when I first wait got over it. I'll explain. Okay. I'll explain. When I first got over it was working as a server in a restaurant, right? And you could oh. and you could be as specific and you know t- putting all the thing you know logging all your tips and everything to make sure and, and you know counting out your tip out or if other people are tipping you out you know make counting every penny to make sure that you get it right okay do that for a few months at a good restaurant and see how quickly you you lose your spot in the schedule oh right? oh okay yeah, yeah. it's it's sure. just makes sense if, if you're if you're not in an environment where you can't trust and i'm not saying blindly trust i'm not saying just go do business with anybody but if you commit yourself financially in some form some scenario whether it's a contract with a life insurance company or working with your coworkers, if you can't do what you need to do to investigate to examine the, the the contractual nature or the moral character of the people you're doing business with and you can't choose to transact based on that you're going to spend a lot of your lifetime making people side eye you I have found. I have found. <laughs> Good right? point. I have found. And so I it's like I know how it works. The cash value is the net present value of the death benefit. It's a unilateral contract and for, it's enforceable in a court of law. What oh so I I had a, another individual tell me so you know am I just am I trusting that the life and I'm just trusting and you know, I'm taking their word, taking the life insurance company's word for it, that they're gonna collect my premium dollars, go out and generate a sufficient return in order to stand behind all those future cash values. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, on the one hand, there's over a hundred years of experience at these particular companies where they in fact did what they're telling you they're gonna do. Right. But at the end of the day, this is also a legally enforceable contract, right? So you don't have to try, you know, at any time you do you, I mean, do, are, do you trust the personal character of the person who sold you your house, you know, or, or, or the mortgage company, right? No, we rely on contract. That's what, that's, it's the, it's what is, it undergirds the capitalist system is the, the is the fact of contract. And so, no, it's not just an arbitrary, oh, I'm going to trust them. It's, the actuarial science is there. In fact, we also have this wonderful historical record of these uh, you know, 
compared to other businesses in the American capitalist system, these an- this ancient industry, right? Companies that have been around for over a century paying a positive dividend, dividend every year, right? And yet people don't blink an eye to throw money at a company that's only been around for 40 years, right? Because they got to get in the stock market because that's yep. what their, you know, <laughs> a high cost, high load mutual fund advisor told them to do, right? Okay, well, in life insurance, we have the benefit of these companies that have been around forever, and there's, there's actuarial science that can help us understand why it is the case that what happens in life insurance, what happens to the cash value and the death benefit, death benefit over time happens. And we can learn that, right? And if we learn that, and then if we can see on the page or in the contract where the things that we understand are written down, what else do I need to do? What else do I need to do? This life, you know, of all people, the life insurance is gonna come after me and they're gonna start shortchanging me Right. I mean, okay. I just, I just, so going back to the original question, I know I've never, I mean, I, when in my first policy, I paid the premium in the first year, paid the premium monthly, didn't pay a PUA in the first year. Right. <gasps> oh why my not? gosh. Why not? I didn't have the money. Overbuilt the policy, knowing that in the future, I'd want to pay more PUA. Appreciate your honesty. Was fine with not paying PUA in the first year. Banker can do what he wants. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> so pay the PUA. And, that was some it, faithfulness right there. I mean, you believed you'd have the ability in the future. I understood my contractual obligation. I think I paid the minimum. There was some minimum or whatever it was. I'm like, right. we'll make sure we'll cover that. But sure. then base, and if tips are better one weekend, I'll pay a PUA <laughs> check, okay? Uh, but I, I didn't log in each month. And I understand. Look, you can, right? And I have had questions from clients who, you know, they, they want to see. And look, I get it. People are writing checks for a large percentage of their income. You want to see and make sure that what you've been told is going to happen is happening. I understand that. But also understand that we're dealing with life insurance companies. This is not Silicon Valley. They do not have the most up-to-date technology. It does take a little <laughs> while for things to process and for numbers to reflect, right? Be it on your statement or be it on the, uh, you know, the particular online consumer portal that you have access to with your given company, right? It takes a little while for those numbers to refresh. But they do, and they're there, and so we've gone. I've gone through with clients. You know, I tell them the best way to find out how much money you can get to is just let me know that you know you're thinking of taking a substantial policy loan or whatever it might be, and I'll tell you to the penny how much you can get, right? Uh, but conceptually, it's all there, and so I never, no, I never logged in to check. I don't think I logged in to check what my cash value was. It had to be a couple years. Wow. Before I even, <clears throat> not me, brother. I was 14 years in the life insurance business in the financial world. Well, that's world. why I you're trust, skeptical of all. <laughs> I didn't trust any of them. <laughs> and then, you know, it wasn't Nelson, but you know, there were other people in the infinite banking world back in the early days that were coming up with all these machinations of running 50 credit cards through a Excel spreadsheet and talk about massaging numbers. Okay. So, you know, I didn't know. I'm looking, I'm like, oh, I'm mesmerized. You can read Nelson's book and know, oh my gosh, this is good. And and have the inability to articulate how and why what makes it good, right? So, and and I'll say I'm a slow learner, you know, I mean, I'm a sharp guy, but not the first guy in line. But anyway, so... Um, I penciled the numbers. When I did a loan, a loan repayment, I penciled the numbers for a couple of years and in a couple of different life insurance companies. And, you know, I personally own all the companies that 
our clients own, and I own them first on purpose. Um, and and from that penciling, and then from the experience over the years is why I own the companies mm-hmm. that I own, and why I want my clients to own the companies that they own. But once you see that uh, the life insurance company is doing everything that they said they would do, or more, then it's like, who cares? Mr. CPA, Mr. Attorney, Mr. Financial Guru, Mr. You know, Financial Aficionado, the brother-in-law that's a life insurance agent. Um, God bless you. And you know, Judge Judy used to say, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't matter. You can say one thing, I'm seeing this, this is the truth. And it's almost like what's going on in the big wide world today. Everybody knows that, you know, we shouldn't be locked down in our house and we shouldn't give up our rights, roll over, print papers to drive to work. Are you kidding me? Everybody knows that's not right, but everybody's doing it. It's like a Stockholm, financial Stockholm. It's like the beaten wife syndrome. It's like, no, everybody, yeah, no, we don't need to show up. We don't need to spend any money. The government's going to send us a $1,200 check. I digress. I'm just saying we can look clearly that no, the economy does not need to be shut down, but we're letting them shut it down. So, okay. All I'm saying is I never. <laughs> All I'm saying is I, I don't want to go down that road. I'm just saying no, I didn't pencil. No, go down that road, please. <laughs> uh, I'll talk about that all day. But, I know uh, you will. Uh, I'm just saying I have never <laughs> seen a spreadsheet that professed to show something about life insurance that taught me something I didn't already know any faster than what Nelson with layman's English language could teach me. Right. I just have, and, and I've had uh, suspects, not prospects, not prospective clients, but suspects in the past who, you know, they tire kicking. They they just they just want they want someone to talk to. They, they just want to challenge you yeah, or yeah. whatever Nelson yeah, has done. Yeah, do a debate. Not really interested <clears throat> in what, but you know, they they want someone from the industry. And I guess we're more visible than the average agent or advisor out there. So they pick us. Thanks. Uh, and, and then they want to send me the you know unsolicited. I'm thinking of one person in particular, and you probably know who I'm talking about if I said his name. But you know, send sends me a spreadsheet, and I unsolicited. I, wh- what do you I, want me I to do know. with that? I know. What do you want me to do with that? We get things unsolicited all the time, and I mean, I do not give advice to anyone who is not my client. Yeah, and I'm, you're the same way. Absolutely. My advice is to invest in yourself and to discover this concept. Um, so yeah, don't 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 send me things unsolicited, please. Please, I'll tell you uh, what I need. Exactly, tell you exactly what I need. You know, yeah. to be, to submit a successful application for life insurance. I'll tell you exactly. <laughs> Although what I, I need. do love the thank you cards. I mean, oh my gosh, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about you know, send me things to, you know, quarterback the brother-in-law, the investment advisor, yeah. whomever. Those are the things I'm talking about. I love the the the, the really thank nice you cards gifts, yeah. and the emails. I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for paying attention. And thank you for, you know, swimming upstream. Seriously. You know, I mean, and going against the grain, um, as difficult as that is, it's worth it. It's yeah. worth spending your time to discover this idea and to vet it 
legitimately vet it to see if it makes sense for you and your family. So thank you for those kind words and acknowledgements. Those are, yeah. keep them coming. I love, it's a love fest. All right, I'll, it, it really is. Honestly, the people who listen to this show are the best people to talk to no on question. the phone. No question. They're excited. They're ready to go. They want, they have, they're anxious to get answers to the questions they have and they want to write a premium check. I love it. When they call in, they say, James, I did this. Red Nelson's first book, his second book. I watched the 10 hours. I've watched 15 or listened to 15 hours of uh, videos and it all makes sense. But I have this question or that question and, and it's like, they get it. You know, they've already, they get it. Yeah. They've legitimately done their research. And then, of course, you can't really get some of that other stuff off of you. You know, once you see it and there's some of these fabulous machinations of magical printing money out of thin air. And if you move money from here to there, you're printing money. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, they question some of those. And it's like, you know, what? Um, is this as bad as I think it is? And it's most of the time, yes, or worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, they, they've, they've done... They've done the research. They they know more than the average agent. And they don't know that they know more than the average agent, but they do. They don't. They don't realize that. No. Right. Yeah. So. Well, well I got to say, too, think, I don't want to say his name, but, you know, I got to. Here in Fort, well, not, we're in Johnson County, but in Tarrant County. Stop it. In Fort Worth. Put throwing names around. Had, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they uh, shut down as we mentioned, so-called non-essential businesses. Listen, a barber is an essential business, but not to the bureaucrats in Fort Worth. But fortunately, my barber uh, made a house visit, right? What? Uh, Interacting with free people? Oh, my gosh. You know, that's one thing, too, that, you know, you hear all this, not lately, but over the last several years, oh, what if the economy melts down and we go to the Stone Age? What if they revalue the dollar? What if they replace the dollar? You know, God created man to have interaction with man. You know, there's going to be an economy that exists between men, period. Ooh. Period. I don't care what the currency is. And if your currency is revalued, um, it's going to be revalued in the in the new currency, whatever it may be. Every asset would be revalued. You take life insurance structured correctly and compare it to any and every other asset that you own. And if you do an honest, legitimate, unbiased vetting, it's like, you can't literally, physically put enough money in life insurance. Literally. My opinion. Can't. I can't either. No. Right. So, I'm glad to see that you got a haircut. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm concerned. I'm not afraid I don't do anything in fear. I'm concerned that I may have really long hair by the time <laughs> <laughs> we record the next episode. <laughs> And then as or I'm going to have a kind of a weird haircut because I'm cutting my own hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that talking about the particular currency, I have a, f- a friend in, I'm pretty sure it's Tennessee, Memphis. She owns a laundromat with her husband. Is it an essential business? Or, or clean clothes? Well, I think that they're still allowed to operate. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Right. Uh, and she had asked on Facebook and tagged me in it. And then, but a, a number of people are asking. It's all over the place, right? All the pop podcasters are talking about it, right? Oh. Um, you know, given this financial, and it happened in 2008, 2007, right? 2000. Right, it happened in right? It's like, oh, you know, we, we rediscover that uh, there are tremendous losses to be had in this uh, casino stock market thing. 1971. And, <laughs> and, and so we ask, 
oh gosh, what should I what should I do with my money? Right. What should I do with my money? And there's quite the lengthy thread. People, you know, precious metals, guns, ammunition, uh, yes, you know, yes, hard assets, and it's like, yeah, you know, and I, I listed that on there. It's like, you know, I see some helpful things about investments. Curiously, in order to profit from those investments, you're later going to have to sell them for those currency <laughs> fiat dollars down the road. But okay, and then there's some other things that are good for like, consumptive purposes, right? Tobacco, hand whiskey, handgun, I mean, water filters, legitimate, legitimate. Yeah. But then Maybe thinking, a trade. I was thinking about that this morning. What about a legitimate skill, a trade, a skill? Oh, like invest in being able to do something? Yeah, like <laughs> being able talent. to build something. I'm just a manufacturer or something. Yeah. Okay. But the question, and, I, and so I suggest, like, you know, I, I think it's less about what should I do with my money and more about how should I build capital. And if you focus... Wait, that's the same question just asked with different terminology, isn't it? No, it is not. I'm glad you asked that because I'm tired of... I'm not tired I'm of... I'm throwing him softballs I, here, making it easy for him. But I get... You know, I get... It, people say, oh, it's a man. And I even have uh, clients or people who are progressing through the processes who will say things like, you know, well, well maybe we'll be talking about the cash value and a policy and, and someone might say, yeah, I'm not just going to let that sit there. I'm going to take it out and go use it somewhere, oh, yeah. right? And it's like... <laughs> no, you're not. The money's going to, the, the value, the capital, the equity is going to stay there and you are going to borrow against your cash value. Collateralize. Collateralize. Contractually. And that is not semantics. And I, and I get it on my Facebook page sometimes too. You know, someone says, oh, you know, quote unquote, IBC is a good investment. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not an investment. Life insurance is the replacement of a loss. It happens to be a good place to build capital, but it is not an investment. And that really does matter. And the industry got it wrong in the 80s and they suffered for it and you suffered for it. Consumers are worse off. There's less choice because the industry got it wrong and it all happened, had to do with proper use of language. So no, life insurance is not an investment. You don't remove well, the cash value. that was part of value. proper use of language. And then the uh, inability of an overreaching authoritarian government, um, the inability to control their expansion. Well, sure, okay. but, a, but a proper <clears throat> intellectual defense wouldn't have hurt, you know? <laughs> no question. Okay. He's, speci he's specifically talking about the industry's defense in the late 80s when the Senate colluded with the term promoters and Wall Street and uh, in, in, in saying that life insurance is a tax loophole for the wealthy. Right. Right. The Senate, you know, created the MEC and the uh, limitations of what right. we can do with life insurance. And he's specifically saying... The life insurance uh, officers and representatives of the life insurance industry testifying before the Senate was appalling. Weak. Weak. To, you're being generous to say weak. It was shameful. Yeah. Was. I, think, I think it's like maybe they were paid to throw the hearings. I don't well, know. Well, I don't know. And a lot of those companies that submitted testimony also happened to offer mutual funds, investment products. Maybe they, maybe some of these uh, corporate players, like, I don't know, the big four, maybe they're okay if you have less control of your capital and it's more of your assets under their management. What? They don't, what? Listen, that, I don't want to throw out names, but, you know. I uh, do, I'm just choosing not to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it's semantics. Uh, I may not throw out names unless I uh, accidentally let one slip. Nelson Nash, 
and primarily worked as an agent for two companies, yeah. primarily, okay? One of which demutualized, right, and was bought by a French company. And, <laughs> and here, all right, Tell do your homework, right? <laughs> um, huh? No right. names, but. No names, but now here, here we are in 2020, right, this French company is spinning off their life insurance hmm. branch that was over a hundred year old mutual company that demutualized so this French company could buy them. And listen, I love France. Man, if you haven't walked down the Champs Elysees in front of the Arc de Triomphe or seen Mon Saint Michel, you should go. Okay? Or the Listen, this is America and I speak English. I do too. <laughs> but I I just I like France. I like traveling to France. But I sure don't want to put my money in anything financial in France. Okay, <laughs> just a distinction. You know, I like to go see the Mona Lisa, but I don't want to buy any financial products in France. All right, so this French company is spinning off their life insurance, and this once great American mutual life insurance company that demutualized is now, they're gonna make a concerted effort, a marketing effort in the US to regain their rich mutual history wow. prior to demutualizing. Think and, of all that time lost. Oh my gosh, and I hope, I don't know if they can remutualize or not. Yes, literally they can, will they? I don't think they have the backbone. I mean, I don't know. That, why, why would you demutualize? Because you didn't understand who you are and what you have. Right or didn't care, or the profits um, blinded you, you know, from yeah. stock yeah. distribution those, and creation. Fancy, uh, Talk about printing money. Marketing schemes, yeah. Anyway, all right, so. I mean, listen, man, I gotta be able to talk without throwing you off track. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said what I wanted to say. Did I don't you? Know. Yeah. yeah, I okay. think so. What did you say last? I forget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did want to say one thing is that, uh, you know, y'all who are listening, who are married. Yahoo? Like Google and Yahoo? <laughs> y apostrophe A-L-L space who. Y'all Southern who are California boy throwing them. Y'all? Yes. Y'all who are listening who are married. Yes. Just understand that um, it's important that both financial decision makers are on board when you go to implement infinite banking. Oh, yeah. Um, That's yeah. a requirement. And, yeah. And I don't know that, I don't think we mentioned it enough, but that has to have, like there's a question on the form that people have to fill out to contact me. And it's, you know, is the spouse, is your partner on board? Mm -hmm. um, it absolutely is key. We don't go down the It's process. a yes or no question. It's a yes or no question. And right. we don't go through the process until that box is checked. I mean, it's, right. it's just un True. unprofessional in my opinion. Well, you know, you mentioned the, uh, earlier in the week you spoke to an engineer, you didn't name him about um, you know, illustrations or her. I don't know if it was a him or her. Did you say him? Him. Okay. Um, I had the pleasure of speaking with a couple of engineers this week. One of them is is a client, right? And he's been a client. And we've, I mean, gone back and forth early on with structure of a policy. And he got, you know, uh, caught up in illustrations that are not sound. Right, the, 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 the integrity of the policy is compromised in future years. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to look at an illustration and be able to determine that. And he's, you know, um, a military industrial complex engineer. You know, the guy's a smart guy. Um, and, and so here, it's about a year later, right, and we're going through his 
and what he's doing and what he's continuing to do and the comparison right of what his policy and values are and he's done some loans and loan repayments I mean, he's practicing the the concept implemented it and he does different things automobiles real estate whatever he's still just an all-american average individual right i mean um but a year later you know going back and and covering or discussing some of the previous conversations that we had of why structure is so important why it matters um he's he's almost got 2020 vision on the proper structure from experience and it's like god bless you even the engineers can learn (laughs) (laughs) and i love you i mean i have a lot of clients that are engineers there's no disparagement there whatsoever yeah but we can move past the numbers right and if we move past the numbers and we have a clear solid understanding of the concept right and you've done your vetting it's like the numbers are just uh proof they will everything else follows yeah right if the structure is correct and that's really where i was going with the engineer was that you know we the desire to see things to see numbers on a page is the response that comes from a lack of understanding and it's not a bad thing right life insurance is a new asset for yeah, but and Just gee, but that's the way everyone. it's presented in the financial world. You know, the the numbers, the projections, the pro formas, yeah. EBITDA, and this. Oh my gosh, it's like quit it. How did the numbers work out? How did the numbers work out over the last month? And I don't want to beat the market up. The market is what it is, which is completely manipulated. And if that's where you're putting your money, okay, well, don't be shocked, you. right? And. And yeah. the same things that, that have come out my whole career, my whole career, when, and when I got started um, back in early 1991, my mentors or the older gentlemen that were in the offices at that time, they were still reeling from the 1971 mm. market, right, which stagflation and all of that. And then they went through – the 80s, early 80s, Black Monday, Black Friday, the oil crisis, savings and loan crisis. You know, in 1991, they were like still, um, you know. A PTSD. From- <laughs> a little bit of, yes. You know, um, and, then, and then my whole career has been the same thing. There's event after event. And then if you just pay attention, you look back over recorded history, there's nothing changed. This is just a new, interesting twist. It's wrapped in a virus that hmm. has to. New narrative. Yeah, the, yeah. Oh my gosh! Same structure. You have to give give away more rights, right? And you have yeah. to roll over even more. Well, we didn't see this one coming. No. And what an excuse! We've had this conversation. What an excuse for the financial industry. The coronavirus caused a market correction. Oh, right. That's right. supposed to be like in their favor. Or something. Yeah. Like at least we didn't do it. Right. What <laughs> but cover? Your wealth is still exposed to a <laughs> virus that came out of the middle of nowhere, China. <laughs> is that supposed to make me feel good? <laughs> or at least you didn't call. It. And listen, okay. I'm, I'm. We're not making should, light of people that are that, that are yeah. in the medical profession in the medical industry and the patients that they're helping and working with them none of that you know it's um do we have to deconstruct do we have to destroy capitalism at the mother and father the mom pop shop across the street do we have to destroy capitalism i can't go and get barbecue on the way home today yes you can you just have to take it out you can't eat in (sighs) 
part of the ambiance. It's not the same. Hey, look, be sure and tip your servers that aren't there. You know, I'm I mean, what, what are they supposed to do? Here. Okay, uh, listen, this is a lot is of my friends I, from the hospitality industry have no job. And so I asked the, you know, the overnight medical, social media medical expert keyboard warrior types, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what's, the, what's the right number of jobs, right? How many people do we, f- <laughs> how many jobs should we outlaw mm-hmm. so that you feel better walking around? How, how many is it, right? And what's, right. The, what's the right trade-off? So I think the most recent unemployment roll was like 3.28 million, like a yeah. record by a factor of five or more ever in the history of the country. Uh, is that the right number? So is it 3 million jobs that we should outlaw? Right. Or how, you know, where's the right? And show me the morally correct person that works <laughs> as a bureaucrat in the mm-hmm. government who's gonna make that call, right? Or is it you? Oh, no. But then, well, it's like, oh, well, you know, human lives matter more. Yeah, exactly. They sure do. But so, you know, hashtag all lives matter. I mean, it, why, why should it be the case that the, you know, we should prioritize the potentially sick over the uh, family of four who can no longer eat because there's no income? Mm-hmm. Who gets to make that call? Right. Right. Um, but we've got to do something. You know, we've got to do something. Okay. Well, you know, we got to do something too when tens of thousands get the flu every year, right? But that we don't shut down the economy. We don't, you know, unilaterally close and outlaw entire industries. Yeah. <clears throat> but this is not the flu. You can't treat this. Yeah, it's more. Oh, here's saying. another one. Oh, no, you got me started. <laughs> here's another one. Uh, you know, in such and such state, uh, you know, the, the number of cases of confirmed coronavirus cases is more than doubling each day. And that's supposed to show some special trend. It's like, no, no, that that indicates that the number of people who are actually tested who test positive for it, that number's increasing. Right. And there's a shortage of tests. Right. So those numbers are just tracking the production of new tests. It might not be the case that the number of people who have it is in fact growing. All we know is that the number of people who are actually tested, that's growing. Now listen, don't confuse everything with facts. I know, right? The media's got to propagandize too. Their feelings matter. I get it. But <laughs> Listen, uh, here what you should be doing is, is creating uh, capital, right? And, and I understand that's being jeopardized, restricted. Absolutely. All right. But this isn't going to go away. I mean, this, 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 there'll be a new version in the future is my point. Oh, and so 100%. you have to post haste, build capital and build it in a place that you own and control. Um, and that you can do something with, right? Regardless of what the markets are doing or not doing, regardless of what these negative interest rate environments are. Um, so I'm just saying that, you know, do something. Don't just let it happen. It's like a train wreck in slow motion. You know, and it, it was the same in 2007 and 2008. And I'm not saying there's a, you know, the market correction is, is the same cause and effect. But ultimately, the same thing is happening. There's a wealth distribution transfer from us to them the big quote unquote them and we can talk for hours and hours who they are okay or we can just look at history and you know lots of research has been done 
Okay. And the same thing happened in 2000 and on and on and on. And if you don't do something, the same thing is going to continue. Yeah. You're going to be separated from yes. your wealth and your rights are going to be diminished. That's funny you mentioned that. I just wrote about that on my blog. It, oh, it stop started, it. I'm serious. It started off as like a lengthy Facebook post. And it's like, Ryan, what are you doing? Just put it on the blog. So I put it on the blog and, you know, touched it up a little bit. And it, it's, it's exactly that point that... You know, and I think my little tagline was, you know, hopefully this time around, people who see something wrong out there in the world actually learn what they can do about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the the Austrian, and I'm an Austrian person all day, and you know, Austrian economics and libertarianism all day, right? And very glad to see liberty-oriented outlets experiencing a surge in traffic and popularity. That's great. Um, However, the proposed solutions offered by the traditional liberty-oriented Austrian economic types, none of it's individual. Okay, let's end the Fed. Okay, sure. Let me go do that tomorrow on my way to work. Mm-hmm. Like what? Or, you know, we need to change the philosophy. People need to re, you know, understand the proper role for government. Okay, and then what? Right? That. And I think this is why I think it really this explains a lot. And I mentioned it in the article is that, you know, I think that that's the reason people like Jordan Peterson and the whole self-help world. There, there's been a number of liberty oriented podcasters who have given up talking about politics and they're going into entrepreneurship and, you know, self-help and these kinds of things. The reason they're doing it is because at least there's something practical and implementable, you know, something that the individual can do. At least I can go clean my room, right? I'm going to clean my room <laughs> faster than I'm going to change the philosophy of government in the state of Texas, you know? So, and that's, and people love that because the people who have seen that they're there's problems out there. The solutions they've been offering are not individualized at all. And so it opens up this whole pop psychology self-help world. That's why they're so popular, right? But listen, you're not going to pop psychologize and, you know, clean enough rooms to change the nature of the financial structure that's funding the state. It's not going to happen, right? So point of the article was this time, maybe given that the infinite banking concept is a little more prominent, you know, this is really only the second major crisis since the publication of Becoming Your Own Banker, right? Our podcast is out there now. There's a, a bit more of an internet footprint for the infinite banking world. Maybe now people will see that the thing they need to do is change their financial behavior. Mm-hmm. And what? people took to that. You know, what? Jordan Peterson would travel the country and, and or the world and tell people how surprised he was that he went around telling people that they need to get their act together, yeah. that this is on you. You know, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Solzhenitsyn, author of the Gulag Archipelago, right? The whole point was that he looked back on his life. This is someone imprisoned by the Soviet Union, looked back on his life and saw how his behavior, his personality, his character contributed to the rise of the very system that was imprisoning him. Mm. And Peterson makes the point. It's like, if if you've got Stalin and Hitler to blame for your poor state of affairs, you know, you're pretty well off, right? You know, you could take that line and say, oh, it's because of the big bad tyrant. No, Solzhenitsyn instead looked inward, introspected, he reflected on what his role, what he did, what that played in the overall progression of history. And the book ended up, his intellectual production that stemmed from that line of thought ended up contributing to the collapse of one of the worst communist empires ever. Yep. Right? Okay, so maybe it's something that you want to do, right? Maybe introspecting and, and asking, what role have I played in this? What have I done to contribute to this, first of all, the American empire, but then the Federal Reserve cartelized commercial banking system, system which finances it? And just like Nelson used to say, if you're a customer, 
at the conventional lender's office and you're receiving the money that they created out of thin air, you are part of the problem. Right, the yep. commer- the fractional reserve banking system, which contrib, which causes causes the boom bust cycle, which makes these financial crises a feature, not a bug, a feature of our daily life as American <laughs> citizens. That fractional reserve banking uh. requires customers like you. Okay, you know how long do we want to play along in that game? Right, how long do we want to continue to? finance and support the very system that's causing these kinds of financial crises, right? How long do we want to do that? How long do we want to do our commercial banking activity, our capital activity with entities that inflate the money supply and cause the business cycle? I don't, you know, and so now, okay, finally we have an opportunity here where people, if they want to take individual action, can choose in their own life to opt out of supporting that whole system and can go do business with an entity that cannot inflate the money supply, a life insurance company. Mm. Breach. So that, I, you know, we, there's an opportunity there, but you know, leave it up to the Austrians to not understand that. I mean, yeah. cause oh, no there, there won't be any, I mean. There, well, they can't get past the word Murphy. life insurance. I mean, the, the, the average Austrian and libertarian cannot get past the word life insurance. Yeah. They can't. I mean, God bless them. I love them. I'm just saying. Well, really what it is is that you're a commissioned salesperson and that little anti-capitalist mentality that we like to talk about everybody else having, we've let seeped into our own little minds. I got it. And so, ooh, you, mm, no, you need to, you know, go away. And you're certainly not going to talk about (laughs) no life insurance on my podcast, right? No. I'm going to pitch the Bitcoin IRAs. I'm going to sell mattresses and socks. I'll show you how to write a book. Absolutely. Right. Those are the appropriate forms of capitalism. Right. When we sell in. Well, he uh, learned. Listen, you're talking about somebody specific. All right. (laughs) And he learned from his mentor. Right. Who. (laughs) Apple doesn't fall fall for. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I'm just saying it's a little inconsistent. To say, little. That, to say that pitching socks a little. on a podcast is the appropriate form of capitalist exchange. Well, he just but learned how to forbid, be an entrepreneur. Heaven forbid making a commission on a guaranteed product. People are going to be able to grow capital way in excess beyond what they pay in over the course of their Well, what does he call his revenue income from that podcast? He's okay with it as long as it's not the word commission, right? Revenue yeah. sharing. Affiliate, fee, affiliate sales. Affiliate. <laughs> affiliate. Yeah. It's like... Boy, talk about the pot calling the kettle black. It's grace for me and law for you mm. because I have a PhD, there and it sure it as hell is. ain't even in economics, <laughs> is it? Okay. Um, listen, this is positive. <laughs> I, I just want to say that, you know, a minute ago when you talked about uh, the fractional reserve system that we live in and how much do you want to participate in it, it has to have a customer base and a client base. Those digits don't even actually exist until you sign your John Henry to the loan agreement. Think about that. Stop it. Stop being part of it. Build a system. Pay if a premium so you don't have to be a part of it in the future. That's right. The, let me tell you what. In, in, the, in the life insurance industry, in the financial world, as far as I'm concerned, life insurance premium is the solution. The problem is the problem. And the problems are not going to stop coming. The problems exist because, oh, wait a minute, we're all men or mankind. The premium is the solution. And if you can't secede from the system overnight, you don't have to get it done in one year. Right. I mean, you don't even have to get it done in two years. Get it done post haste. Right. Get it done. Wrap your mind around it. Vet it. Wrap your mind around it and move forward with faith. 
right? And I'm not saying blindly, just like not blindly, um, but it can be done. And what? And if it doesn't even happen in your generation, right? Or it doesn't mm. happen in my generation, didn't happen in Nelson's generation. What if? What if it happens in the fifth generation from now? Right. Oh my gosh! It's like just get to it, make it happen. You can make it happen. You can be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. Yeah. But you commission life insurance agent, you're just trying to sell life insurance, right? <laughs> While they're trying to sell their socks or what else? Bitcoin IRAs, mattresses. And, and, and oh, then the, the next to follow up with that is, oh, I don't want to own something that's you know, denominated in U.S. dollars. Oh, it's quit like, it. I don't want to attach my social security to it. Right. Because the dollar's going to collapse tomorrow. Okay, let's say if it does, right? Well, at the, it, there's... A, there's a point at which we got to see beyond the particular monetary unit symbol that's hanging out in front of those numbers, right? This is fundamentally about inputs versus outputs, right? I want back out more than whatever I put in over time. And it wouldn't bother me if I could have exercise contractual guaranteed authority over all of that, right? You can denominate dividend paying whole life insurance and pebbles for all I care. You're going to have more pebbles out than you put in under appropriate use of the contract, right? Denominate whatever the heck you want, right? We happen to use dollars. Okay, so it's denominated in dollars. Guess what? You're going to go fill up your uh, the oil in your truck with you know, silver coins, I mean, okay, go for it. But as far as I, as far as I can see, legal tender laws still exist, right? The 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 other currencies, the other potential <laughs> currencies throughout the world, are far worse off than the U.S. dollar. Did you pay your barber in U.S. dollars or Venmo or Bitcoin or <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah, I went out and washed his car for him. Like, come on, no, <laughs> U.S. Federal Reserve notes. Uh, and it's not like I'm an enthusiastic supporter of paper money, but it is what it is, and it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, the unit of exchange, the general medium of exchange that comes through my hands is going into a policy that I own and control so that I can exercise control over my capital. I don't care what the denomination is. And, by the, and all the, I think, you know, there's always the uh, exaggerating, like doomsday type people. And I think they give Austrians a bad name because it makes us look like we're always saying, oh, the worst is going to happen. The worst is going to happen. And so the people who are going around saying, you know, the, the collapse of the dollars around the corner and, you know, there's going to be massive <coughs> consumer price inflation tomorrow. Okay, maybe, maybe. Maybe not. But, you know, a lot of people said that back in 08 and didn't happen, did it? So I think we should be a little more careful, right? And then also realize that, <laughs> It's, it's still a good time to pay a premium, right? It, it, dividend paying whole life insurance works regardless of the monetary denomination used to account for the values in it. You know, listen, the last time I looked around the military industrial complex of the United States is the greatest empire that exists and probably one of the greatest empires that have ever, ever. existed. So I like having U.S. petrodollars in my pocket compared to the yen or any other any other so does that mean i support the expansion of the empire no but i am an american i love our country i'm a patriot um i want u.s dollars in my pocket currently right <laughs> and 
Look, the, there's a flight to cash in Europe. I mean, I've read that Europeans <laughs> are hoarding U.S. dollars, right. right? Around the world, U.S. dollars, paper U.S. dollars are being hoarded. Why? Because everybody around the world recognizes the power of the U.S. economy. Even more so. That than, is the people. We yeah. we are the U.S. economy. We can outwork them, outsmart them, outbuild them. We can out everything them. So Even more so than like, three-month treasury bonds people want you that's why short answer the repo market went berserk late last year late 2019 uh, is because people wanted major players wanted cash more than they wanted short-term government debt right which is supposed to be the risk-free asset right they wanted cash more than that u.s dollars more okay so overnight every entrenched interest that was involved in that is going to just pick a different currency Right. Okay. Okay. You know, and when it happens, if it happens, when it happens, every value and every policy throughout the life insurance company will be revalued in whatever that currency is. And every and other re- asset that you own would be revalued in that whatever that currency right. is as and well. And the relationship between the inputs and the outputs <laughs> will stay the same because right. that's how life insurance works. Thanks for the economic lesson there, Mr. Greggs. We covered a lot in a short period of time, actually. Really, we should divide this one up, make three episodes out of it, and then I wouldn't have to work every Saturday for the next <laughs> month. No, this is this is why we're the only show doing infinite banking that can talk for more than an hour twice a month. Why? Because we show up on Saturdays, too. or what? Well, just because we can go this long for and provide <laughs> legitimate value. I mean, there's serious points in there. No question. Right, did you leave anything I feel else? better now. I've, my therapy better? session's complete. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to like throw some U.S. presidents down on the table. You know, this therapy session's not free. <laughs> it's like some U.S. currency. It just makes me feel professionally cleansed. I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> professionally cleansed. Yeah, yeah. I'll work through personal stuff. Let's see. You beat up the Austrians. Work. You beat up the click funnels. You My gosh. Up. In times of financial crisis, they all need it, right? <laughs> and it's it's lesson time. It's time to, you know, look around, learn something, change something. At the end of the day, you know, we're all going to be okay. We are we are okay. We're going to be okay. Um, they, the powers that be, cannot destroy capitalism. Can't kill the golden or the goose that's laying the golden egg just yet, yeah. right? You know, a few the, more parasites, but. <laughs> all right. All right. So positive. Positivity. What's positive? <laughs> I think that was all. You're clear. Posi- you're, the you're, positive you're, point is that you have an opportunity to pay a premium. <laughs> that's really a premium is a solution, yeah. right? So that's really the positive. Not point. blind, not blindly, right? Yeah. Happy fiftieth episode. We miss you, Nelson. Yeah. Good job on the fiftieth episode. Mm. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. See you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.